Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Pulp podcast. We are wrapping up the 1899 season one series on Netflix today. Uh, as promised, we've got a feedback roundup and we got some final thoughts on the series. Uh, some thoughts on uh, some some hot theories. Uh, Jim, I guess I'll kick it off to you first. What do, do you do? You have anything that you want to share with the group? I do. I do. I want to first say I'm in no way prepared for this podcast, which is to say I did as much reading as I could until my brain melted out of my ears and. I no no amount of reading would have prepared me for this podcast anyway. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like if we had done all of our homework for season one of Dark, for example, and done the definitive mm-hmm. podcast, we couldn't have our wildest dreams guessed where that thing went by season three. So yeah, we'd be totally wrong. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's the game we play. Uh, uh-huh. That's fun. <laughs> well, I like puzzles. So uh, ring your melted brain puddle out onto the microphone. Oh, um, yeah. Before we get into that, I wanted to talk about like you know how i guess people who watch this probably have the question like how well did it do uh for netflix are we going to be getting a season two Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah it did pretty well uh apparently there were over 80 million hours of watch time and that set it firmly at number two uh on the netflix top 10 list they do they do a top 10 list each week um Uh based on watch time and it was number two behind the crown uh season five in its Which first is a smash week, I think. for them, I understand. Uh huh. Yeah, the crown's very well received. Uh, the second week, it was number two behind uh, Wednesday, which is the the new Adams Family spinoff thing. Uh, right. It, but it was way behind Wednesday. Wednesday was absolutely crushing it. It had like three hundred fifty million hours of view Damn. time, whereas. Yeah, Dark had about eighty million. So I was not interested in the million. Wednesday project at all. So. Yeah, I'm not super interested either. It's 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 a teen drama uh, set, uh, you know, in the Adams Family universe with Wednesday at the at the center of it. But yeah, it's it's by all accounts doing very well. I mean, number two on all of Netflix is pretty good. So has it got an official renewal yet? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> with all my reading, I didn't even look to see if it had. I assume it will. Um, although I imagine this is kind of an expensive show since they built their own the volume. Uh, mm-hmm. set and and uh, did a bunch of other stuff but on the other hand I imagine that like that's a sunk cost and like the volume will probably make each successive season cheaper to make because you essentially don't have to do green screen you don't have to do post process uh, you know um, I- anything in post it's like the camera's got it all it's got the light it's got uh, the background it's yeah I actually watched the uh, making of 1899 and Uh they were showing a lot of the volume stuff that they were doing and it looks like a lot of the upfront investment they had to do was just getting used to filming in the volume because right uh and and frisha are are very like we like to do everything in camera we like to do everything as as physically as possible um and they were kind of resistant to the idea of using the volume in the first place and then they saw what it could do and they saw how physical it 
it actually is. It's mm-hmm. not it's not like tricks of of post processing and stuff. It's just there. Um, and they were very excited about it. So I, I think a lot of the upfront investment was just learning how to use the tech. So if they did a season two, it'd probably be a lot faster. I regard. thought it was interesting that their volume, because I've seen it before, like on, uh, you know, the Mandalorian and uh, mm-hmm. Loki and whatnot. It always looks like a big, like football field shaped room. This was more like an like oval a dome. Yeah, this this yeah. is like a they're standing inside a cylinder. It doesn't have a ceiling that's projecting anything right. it's they right. just have like lighting up there yeah so it's like uh, a more of a bare bones volume but uh it might you know but it, yeah. like i said it it uh it seemed to work pretty well stunningly well uh-huh yeah they just won't be able to do any like low angle hero shots or anything <laughs> without doing some post-processing right uh, uh okay but yeah I, i'm excited i think a season two is definitely in the cards whether it's been greenlit or not yet gotcha uh, what else? Or do you want do you want to take turns talking about uh, things we've, we've learned? Yeah, sure. Uh, you've learned things. Uh, I have. I meant so. This is something I mentioned on the podcast that I saw that there this book, The Awakening, kept on sh- popping up in the background, and mm-hmm. uh, they didn't really explain it. Um, so I did some digging, and it's a real book by Kate Chopin. Ah, oh, Jesus, Chopin, I believe is mm-hmm. how you pronounce his name. And uh, it was written in 1899. Okay. And it's about a woman who marries a man from the Deep South and is kind of disaffected. It's known as like one of the first um, like uh, feminist works of note, uh, at least from America. Mm -hmm. And it talks about her being kind of like deeply disenchanted with her life, being married with children. And she has essentially like three men in her life. Her husband, who is the staid kind of traditional Southern aristocratic gentleman who she's very bored by. Um, this one guy who's kind of like a philanderer um, ladies man who kind of sexually awakens her, but doesn't, you know, hold her interest for very long. And then what's seen as kind of like the, you know, the kind of the the one for her. And she, you know, a different and and there's also different women. There's like one woman in her life that's like urging her to like, you know, recommit to her married life and to life as children uh, or life with her children and kind of find the happiness in that and kind of like hold the hold the societal norm. And then there's another uh, elderly woman who lives by herself and she's like this brilliant pianist and composer. And she's kind of like the ideal of like what. Uh, the hero, the heroine might be if she rejects society and kind of like, you know, mm. <laughs> it's a real Goldilocks uh, situation. Yeah, well, but but also this woman's like, uh, I guess you'd call her spinsters. Like she's kind of rejected all male attention too. that's like the way she achieved her uh, intellectual and, and financial freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's got this other one, the, the, the one for her. So like the, the novel has an unhappy ending in that um, the one kind of for her. This reminds me of a prelude to a kiss where this guy who's like, you know, this great guy and she's madly in love with him is just too decent. And he writes her this notes like I can't possibly, you know, besmirch your uh, honor by getting, you know, involved in this, you know, adulterous relationship. And he mm-hmm. goes away uh, never to come back. And she ends up committing suicide at the spot that they first met. Um, okay. I thought it's interesting that there is already like I feel like two guys are kind of fitting in these archetypes 
like Daniel is her husband that maybe she tried to escape from. And Eric mm-hmm. is the dashing, uh, you know, brooding romantic. Uh, I haven't seen the third guy who might, you know, like if, if trying to suggest it is like going to be the one for her or, or maybe it's just a, the basic themes of this novel, you know, women's empowerment and, and uh, yeah. emancipation. It's just thematic, but also the fact that like, what was what, what the English woman? Um, Miss Wilson, Mrs. Wilson, Mrs. Wilson kind of sort of reminds me of the character. I mean, she's, she's not a, like a traditional housewife who's like, Oh, you should be, but she's kind of like her business is enslaving women. I thought it was interesting that there's mm-hmm. like kind of like these archetypes in, in 1899. I, like I said, I don't know if it has any predictive value. I'm not saying that, uh, uh, poor Mora is going to offer herself at the end of this, but I said I'd look into it. I looked into it. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, and th- there is definitely a, a theme of feminism running through this show, so it could yeah. just be thematic, but I don't know. I'm and, looking for Goldilocks situations. We'll see. Yeah, and 1899, I thought, you know, uh, of it all was pretty interesting as well. And it, it fits in with, like, the idea of a triangle, right, with three points and the idea of these these sister ships where there are three of them. Um yeah, there's there's a there's a odd symmetry within the concept of a three. Yeah, I started also because on the cover of the book, the the date it's publishing is given in like uh, Latin, so it's like M D C C C X C I X or whatever, and like there's four mm-hmm. symbols that represent that, and I'm like that map and the up down, left right, and I'm now mm-hmm. no, I'm not. This gonna, is where I'm your brain melts out of your ears. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was also trying to make like some kind of numeric thing work with the 1899 and the 1011, the 1019, and if there that wasn't really working either. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. So that's that's what I'm bringing. You get what what do you, do you have anything else? Uh, I I have let's say uh, observations that are are not my own, but uh, are very interesting in the context of this final. Uh, moment of the season with okay. the, the quote-unquote simulation uh, being revealed and we see we're on a spaceship and all this stuff and uh, some interesting stuff happens. You know, she gets this message about um, Project Prometheus but there's a very strange shot at the very end where she's looking out the window or, or she's she's looking at the, the console rather and the camera zooms in on her and kind of rotates and then goes into her eye. And in that moment, you can see that her pupils are triangles, mm. which if you look at the other uh, moments in the show where that was the case, where people had triangular pupils, it was inside of the simulation, which is saying to a lot of people, and I think me as well, I think I might buy into this, that we are still in a simulation in 2099. Is it in okay? Because my recollection of the triangle eyes is they were always showed right as someone is transitioning out of a dream or a flashback back into the simulation. Mm-hmm. Is that add any kind of new wrinkle to the whole deal? Uh, well, we, as best I can tell, never see them in a real world scenario, right? Uh, uh. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it is interesting, though, that like, you know, this Project Prometheus destination is very similar to the destination of the ship in 1899. 
um, to, to the, the actual Prometheus. Uh, and I, I don't know, because if we're still in a simulation in 2099, the, the, the technology could just be a representation of, of whatever procedure is happening to these people, right? Like, just like the, the injections in 1899 are, these pods that they're in might not be physical pods at all. They could just be a representation of the procedure that they're undergoing in the quote-unquote real right. world. Right, right. If there ever, ever is a real world, it's quite possible that, like, the show is going to say there is no such thing as reality. And right. you can go down that rabbit hole forever. You can, you can peel away every layer of the onion there is and find yet another layer of onion. Yeah, we talked about that, the idea that, like, if if the second that you invent a technology, a simulated technology that within it is indistinguishable from the real world, that, like, the odds of you being in the prime world just dropped almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess... I guess I would be okay with living in a simulation. The problem that they interject in shows like this is like the person running simulation is fucking with the people sure, in some way. Sure. Like, you know, like I, I guess I would have a problem living in a simulation if all of a sudden the sky started rolling up or black pyramids started mm-hmm. judging out of the ground every six days if I didn't do something right. You know, it's like that's um but then I guess if I if they rebooted every six days, I would I would never even know. Um sure. Here's a thought I had when I was thinking about this. I read this book earlier this year called The Player of Games by uh, Ian M. Banks. Mm, And they have this culture that doesn't have a prison, doesn't have prisons. They don't have any kind of like justice system. What they do is when people commit crimes, they throw them in this thing called the labyrinth, which is described as this like really sophisticated simulation Um game theory system where a person walks through these like seemingly endless tunnels and at certain junctions they are presented with like a ethical or moral dilemma they don't really describe it in detail but it's like you're presented with uh, a really seeming like maybe it's a trolley problem where you got to pull a switch and save a child or Mm -hmm. not pull a switch and let somebody something like that and if you do it correctly as deemed by the society you get closer to the exit of the labyrinth and if you do it wrong uh, you go deeper within the layer. And the idea is like, you know, uh, if someone is wrongly in prison, if they're a, like an innocent, righteous person, you can literally walk out of the labyrinth in like a matter of hours. You mm-hmm. just keep making the consistently right moral choices. And the labyrinth is like, oh, this is a good person. And they let them go. Whereas a person who's like died in the wool, evil or malicious or malignant is always going to continually make the wrong choice and go deeper and deeper within um, until they, you know, morally atone for their sins. I wonder if they are maybe playing because like every one of these people has some kind of deep, dark secret mm-hmm. um, that they've done that they're ashamed of, maybe right or wrong. Um, and I wonder like the the idea, I, I don't know how much is real because like the idea of like, what if this is like some kind of Australia situation where they're sending like shipfuls of convicts to a new world and they're using the simulation to kind of turned them into solid citizens by the time they arrived there. Sure. Could be. Uh, it all, it all feels much more personal than that, but I'm not sure if it has to be. And, and they could be messing around with what they're showing us. Right. A lot of people are saying like, Oh, they're showing us, uh, fragments of all these different iterations of the, the, the run that they're doing through the simulation. Uh, right. so this is not all just one clear linear path through it. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've heard possible explanations that like 
this is one of the character simulations, but everybody else is running their own simulation in their own little world. And they're all cordoned off. And all of the, the people that we see who are, you know, on the ship are just like just pure simulations. They're not even people. Oh, see, because uh, like I, Mara is the only one experiencing a simulation. And it, that's it lines up in a weird way because there there are glitches in this thing that, that tell sure. you something is not quite as it seems. Like everybody drinking tea except for Mara at the exact same time is fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lucian freezing up in front of Jerome, uh, free, freezing up in front of him for a second before his simulation like kicks in. All that stuff is weird, right? It, it says like, eh, maybe they are like the main players in their own world filled with NPCs. Well, and, and the the other thing is like the NPCs are NPCs to your instance, but they're also uh-huh. real people connected. Yes. So instead of like exactly. why, instead of simulating a complete person from scratch, why not take the base construct from another person's simulation and populate the, sure. each other's worlds with those? So they're not really the prime instance, but they're, you know, they're based on these these real people. Um, yeah, and, I, and, I like and we see like, that there are a ton of passengers on this thing, right? That this ship, right. Prometheus, it's not just it's not just Mara and her small group of of player characters. It's right. pod after pod. There, there are like fifty of these pods or something filled with people. Right. And I like it because like you got this Kerberos or uh, Cerebus um, ship name that's named after that this this these hounds of hell that literally get, guard the gates of hell to keep people from escaping, and then mm-hmm. the other ship's Prometheus, which is a, a god that's been doomed to suffer eternally for a sin that he committed, and it's like that ties in really well with like a prison ship. The thing that I don't like mm-hmm. about it is it doesn't feel very Bo Baron Frasia to reveal the true state of the world in the season one finale oh absolutely like whatever we think we know right now is not going to be true it's going to be have an extra layer that we couldn't have possibly foreseen in the next season yeah yeah we don't have nearly enough information to make educated guesses as to the the true nature of this i will say there are only so many ways to induce a fantasy on the human brain though and it kind of has to be in one of those categories you have Technological, right, which is like a simulation, um, computer-induced simulation. You have chemical, which is like a drug-induced fantasy. Mm-hmm. You have uh, methodical, I guess, which is what I would call it, which is like hypnosis, mm-hmm. where nothing is nothing is really being put into the brain that's artificial, but you are getting someone into a state of, of trance-like uh, existence. There's, and then there's like natural and supernatural. And natural is like dreams, um, I guess like a near death experience might count as that. And then supernatural is just shit. We don't understand aliens, magic. If, if they're going uh, down like that almost route, every one of those things is represented because there is uh, that. Remember that, that newspaper that's in the first episode that talks about hypnotism and you've got pharmacological, uh, uh-huh. you know, injecting white stuff, black stuff. Got the simulation uh, in twenty nine. You, you got simulations, obviously. You got people waking up from dreams and mem- like uh-huh. everything except for aliens or supernatural <laughs> right. or, or straight been, up magic. Yeah, has been represented, and uh, and I don't think they're gonna go with supernatural. Although they went, they went with the time travel stuff. Like just, I mean, time travel as we understand it is not really possible. But they did that in dark, so maybe they're gonna go with something actually supernatural here. I don't know. Yeah. The other theory that I saw that I kind of liked is, you know, have you played any of the Assassin's Creed games? Um, I'm vaguely familiar with the 
the concept there with the yeah, an- I the first animus couple. or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got this animus mm-hmm. where it's this simulation where you find an ancestor uh, that has this genetic memory of a person that you want to go back in time and explore their life to f- uncover some secret or whatever. I, I didn't play enough of the games to see where the overall arc of the story yeah, yeah. is going. Um, but like you can distinctly discover something that you need in the present. You go and delve through these genetic uh, memories of people that are encoded in their DNA somehow. It's an Mm -hmm. epigenetic memory. Is it possible that something actually did happen on these ships in 1899 that is supernatural? These these black crystal structures taken over? Because, like, I guess the Bermuda Triangle is a supernatural thing. Mm-hmm. And you've got this black crystalline structure that's taking over. Um, is it possible? Because are you familiar with the SCP series? Uh, vaguely. The I secure, secure, contain, protect. Uh, it's it's this it's this Wikipedia of essentially amateur horror writing. Mm-hmm. So, like, is there something that was discovered in 1899 on these ships? This black crystalline structure that started taking it over. That some kind of like, you know, turn of the century SCP started studying and in our time it is like taking over trying to take over the world taking over the world maybe it has taken over the world maybe they are on a starship and they're fleeing um and this <laughs> stuff is pursuing or so it's a problem and they're they're going back to try to like in this assassin's creed way investigate what actually happened to get information on how to defeat it in our time it's possible i'm i'm looking at the triangle eyes and i'm i'm starting to doubt that the simulation stuff is at all relevant like to to the ultimate Mm. i mean it'll be relevant thematically right but i don't think we're actually in 2099 um i don't think that like everybody is inside of a simulation on a spaceship that's going to the center of the universe to investigate like the, the creation event i that that is kind of thrown into uh into flux with that triangle pupil stuff that's happening and maybe that triangle stuff is just thematic i don't know but seems indicative of being in a simulation i do think the 2099 stuff is i think it's i think it's got to be related to real space in some way because i think it's it's too irresistible to not have a 1999 context as well. Sure. And like I when I look and see, it's like you got this 1899 context where everything's in period piece, Titanic clothing. And then you've got like when um, Mora and Daniel are trying to cure Elliot or whatever, and they're putting him in the simulation. They're wearing these kind of like jumpsuits. I could buy that being in 1999. Mm hmm. But the thing is, like, I believe it's like that, like, you can't really do time travel. Uh, even in dark, there was a lot of restrictions on how you and when you could tra- travel to time. And you're always kind of restricted to these particular, like, 33 year cycles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, I guess what I'm getting at is, like, I think there's got to be some kind of reality to the 2099 project because I don't think you could, if something is like rooted in 1999, I don't think you could project 100 years forward. You could always look back 100 years. But like if we're in a 2099 time period, I always think it's like, well, then that must be at some level prime or or maybe there's a 2199 time period that's even more advanced where they're actually on an alien world or something. But does does any of that make sense? Is that tracking or am I just babbling? So so, so what I 
gather from that is you're saying that like our predictions of what future tech is going to look like are so flawed and we've seen time and time again like if you look at back to the future they said that what 2015 oh. was going to be hover cars and self-lacing sho- which we have self-lacing shoes uh it, it was going to be you know uh two tube arm jackets that resize automatically and all that right. stuff mr fusion right like right and they were just colossally or... wrong. And basically every movie that ever tries it is colossally wrong. Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? No, I was getting at the like that if they're. After... What would be the point of simulating some crazy future thing and the idea that like you couldn't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that maybe I'm not maybe I'm not making a lot of sense. Um, I wasn't because I yeah we also. If you tell me in 2099 we're going to have a generational hmm. starship that's going off, I would say, no, no, we're not. No, we're not. Like, it seems like our rate yeah. of actual technological progress in that kind of way. It's like our technological progress is continuing to be made, but it's not being made in the way that we thought, like, in the 50s, where it's like, oh, my God, we invented airplanes like 30 years ago. And 10, 15 years from now, we're going to land on the fucking moon. Like, we're going to mm-hmm. be colonizing. We're going to be living on the moon by 2032. Ba- no, f- the fuck we're not. And yeah. in 67 years, there's no way we're going to have a generational starship. I'm going to confidently predict that knowing that I'll be dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, that, yeah, I, I would I would literally rise from a grave and eat my hat if if we are have some kind of generational starship bound to a, a far flung star uh, in 2099. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, like I, from that standpoint, I think the Bo, Bo Baron and, and Freja are, yeah, there's no way they're predicting, but, <laughs> but it's more of like, I was thinking that, yeah, you couldn't, I was thinking like you couldn't time travel, but you could always simulate some bullshit sci-fi, but I just don't know why you would. Gotcha. I, but again, I, I don't I know why you would saying. send someone back to 1899 either. Um, sure. sure. Uh, what else confusing. you got? What else you got? Uh, I think that's about it. As far as like original thoughts that I had based on stuff I read, um, I, I'm really curious to see what the feedback is all about. But do you have anything else? No, I was uh, a little brokenhearted that our friend Kim Renfro, uh, who did brilliant analysis on Dark, mm-hmm. was sidelined by jury duty for the last three weeks. So oh. uh, she hasn't gotten any of her fabulous articles. I would just encourage you to uh, you know Google Kim Renfro. Uh, the first link will be her Insider Archive. I imagine because she mentioned on Twitter that she's actively working her way through the series and writing that article. If you want to see kind of like a definitive take or, you know, a, a really good roundup of, of theories and things you missed and things you would be uh, a, a good to note, uh, check out her work. Because I'm sure before the end of the year, she'll probably have that out. Um, but, yeah, we'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. And now back with more bald move. Uh, let's move on to our feedback because we got a bit of it. Uh, RCM is up first because you mentioned the wolf on the ship and a guy prepping for vampire or werewolf. Z. 
Uh, Dracula was published in 1897, and the story while on the Demeter, a ship, Dracula kills the crew one by one. When the ship docks with a dead crew and a captain tied to the wheel, it's reported that a wolf or a large dog leaped from the ship and to the docks and ran away. The book was published a couple years before 1899. That might explain the crew member's reaction. Uh, <sighs> do you... I don't know what to make of the Below Decks crew and their garlic wreaths and 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 whatnot um that's another you guys we talked about like the five ways you can fool someone's senses and supernatural that's another hint towards the supernatural mm-hmm. yeah I, yeah I really have no read on the werewolf garlic stuff yeah i think my dracula is like it's werewolves and uh, vampires are a long-standing part of European for- folklore. It's not like Dra- it's not mm-hmm. Bram Stoker invented it. In fact, he like romanticized and gothicized it all. But you know yeah. these were these were existing things. But it would be int- that that would be why I guess the garlic and things like that would be at the f- at forefront of the crew members' minds. Um, Scott says I noticed at the very end that the date displayed in the starship is October nineteenth. Uh, which is eight days after October 11th, mm-hmm. which is Mars, you know, 1011, okay. which is Mars room number on the ship. And Coincidentally, eight days is the, the voyage uh, duration. Yep. Coincidentally, the ship's journey is supposed to last eight days. I'm taking this as a sign that we've successfully moved from the first simulation to another. We'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm this with is, you. The triangle eyes and that date. Thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's kind of blew my mind that like maybe maybe we are if not out of into the real world we have moved definitively from one cycle to the next. Mm-hmm. We've gone the journey of the birth. but I I don't know that I buy that because number 1 uh would people be up for just abandoning the 1899 concept? Like if there's no, you know, if everybody's in dark jumpsuits and rebreather masks and stuff, like does the some of the charm of the series get lost? Um, How do you I have to confuse so. languages? I, I, I'm excited about the possibility of it being uh, more, let's say, aesthetically uh, science fiction, but. Sure, mm. I imagine some people are way in for the the eighteen ninety nine voyage. Because like in in, in, in dark, as they went through, as you found out more and more of the time, there was like all these constant like races to go, you know, like bring future technology to the past so that you can engineer. Like, there's reasons mm-hmm. to go back and forth to the different realities and to try to desperately change something. With simulations, you don't have that. So like if you were on phase two of the simulation, which is two to twenty ninety nine, why would you ever tunnel back? to the 1899 simulation and would that even be what does that even mean to do that from within the simulation yeah i i don't know could could it be that each so they talk about iterations right like this is the farthest we've got is something that daniel says to elliot Mm -hmm. um is it possible that each simulation is a different voyage different setting it's not always on the i i know that doesn't make a lot of sense with like the ship graveyard, but the ship graveyard could be representative, not literal, right? It it could be that like you're seeing ships because you're in the ship, the 1899 ship variant of the simulation. Whereas if you were in the 2099 version, you'd see a whole bunch of starships 
uh, just you know graveyard yeah. in space, and maybe the the third uh, possible simulation is going to be some other kind of ship. Maybe they're going to be on the Hindenburg, right? Uh, right before that goes down or something. Who knows? Um, I guess the only problem I have with that is the idea that Daniel they didn't complete shit Daniel hacked and changed the premise of the simulation to get them out of that phase mm-hmm. so whatever they were supposed to do in 1899 they did not accomplish those goals no I agree um, so yeah I don't I don't know what it means if you cheat the first simulation to get into the second simulation and there's just so much unfinished business back in 1899 if any of this stuff is in fact real which is we'll, we'll explore in another email Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric from Massachusetts says, here's my theory. All this is a training exercise akin to Morpheus teaching Neo Kung Fu. The real space travelers are plugged into a brain simulator and provided fake traumatic backstories. They are thrust into the simulation where they grow and develop new skills, both individually and collectively. This is to prepare them for whatever they're supposed to do in the starship's rise of the destination. The training that results will carry over to the real psychology. I think none of the material with Henry is actually true, but part of Mara's traumatic backstory Daniel and Elliot are agents of the training simulation with the goal of aiding and or obstructing the other participants and maximizing or in order to maximize their learning opportunities. I do think the starship is the base level and represents some mission critical to the future of humanity an arc ship or something similar. Okay. I l- again, I like this theory except for the final paragraph, which is, oh yeah, this is the true reality and it's season one mm-hmm. of probably a three or four season show. And we've been exposed to the prime reality uh i i unlikely it is unlikely because then like why would she go back into the simulation is there going to be like a scene from the mate like if if if, like this the start of next season is like some kind of big spider comes in and grabs her by the neck and shoves her back into the pod Mm -hmm. like out of the matrix or (laughs) does she like realize that she's got to go back into free other minds does someone inject her with the black shit to make her forget all over again because that's the other thing is like Whatever progress any character makes can be negated at any time with the goddamn black injections. Because I, I think that's the mm-hmm. other thing I, I learned by, you know, kind of reading other people's takes on Reddit and the different, you know, on Vulture and Decider and all that kind of stuff. Is it seems like there's a pretty clear pattern of the black thing puts you under and makes you forget. And the white syringe mm-hmm. brings you out and unlocks your memories very white rabbit you know one pill does one thing and sure. the other pill does the opposite thing i i don't want to just take that at face value uh either i i want to make true. sure there's something concrete that i can latch on to to say that that's yeah. true because i was noticing that too i, I rewatched the finale and it happens like three times the finale uh-huh. Uh-huh. uh for 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 elliot for mara um and there is a discrepancy but it's always <laughs> it's always explained by Maester Kyburn, which kills me. I can't trust anything that he says. I I yeah. really don't. So yeah. I don't know. And it might turn out that he's the good guy and he's been telling the truth all along. But could be. Uh, boy, yeah, he's he's a tough guy to believe just on the face of it. Yeah, that'd be another because like they they have to cast this guy knowing that he looks somewhat sinister. Oh yeah, you know, I mean that's like his he, whole job. <laughs> it looks he's sinister. Been, so far, everything I all his entire body of work, 
is uh-huh. he is an insane <laughs> citadel maester that tortures people and reanimates the dead. Mm-hmm. He is a cunning, ruthless imperial security officer cracking down on a nascent rebellion. Mm-hmm. And he is this dude walking around in, again, what looks like evil imperial pajamas, uh, oppressing his his daughter and, uh, d- d- yeah, doing a bunch of d- dirty things. It would be mm-hmm. an interesting inversion of his kind of like menacing grandfather act to make him actually be the good guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and that Mora might be going that is way. the bad guy. Yeah. Um, God, they remind me of... Um, I felt like there's another thing that just jogged my memory of something else I read about, um, but I yeah, maybe it'll it'll jog back. Um, Alina says, I watched the dub version of the show where every character is speaking in English because I found it distracting to question how Danish hmm. Crester could speak the Spanish Angel or how Chinese hmm. Ling Yi could understand the French Lucian. However, the Apple TV version of Netflix didn't have the English dubbed option available. Hmm. Do you think there's any content lost to the dubbed version watchers? And would you watch a dubbed version? I'm almost certain that if you have a close watch of this season and you pay attention to who can understand what, that it means something. Because it also, felt didn't it, hmm. didn't we agree that it felt like in the middle of the season it seemed like people were understanding each other that was impossible, but then yeah. suddenly in the last two episodes we snap back to like it being a plot point of people not being able to understand each other. Uh-huh. I I didn't watch it dubbed. I watched it with subtitles and and the native languages how do they handle the scenes where they specifically say can someone tell me what they're talking about or i I don't understand that language (laughs) please someone help me do do the people just dub that and then are you supposed to keep in your mind that these people are not all english uh or or native english speakers yeah that seems to confuse the issue even more i would not recommend that do they just use ridiculous accents like sure. uh, Jerome's like, oh, sure. and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do any, <laughs> I'm not, not going to do any of no. the Asian, no, no, I'm not going to do, do any uh, uh, Asian <laughs> characters, but uh, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Cause like I, I got a confession and dark. I did watch the dub version. Like I was like a couple episodes I in too. and I'm like, I am so, f- cause it is such a dense show and there's mm-hmm. so many subtitles um, that like, cause I almost watch subtitles with everything. It's just so much more convenient when you're watching things critically to like, not have to worry about what did they say and all that kind of stuff. But it was so distracting half there's, and there's so much happening on the screen that I found it very hard to split my eyes between reading and watching. So mm-hmm. I just, at some point, even though I knew it was a worse experience overall, I just switched it to the, the English dub and said, fuck it. Um, I didn't do that this time. Yeah, and Dark didn't rely on characters not being able to understand each other either. True, so. everybody was essentially speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like a bizarre experience, but 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 if you're feeling you bad it. about missing something, like I I think you are probably missing something, but mm-hmm. I also don't think that this series will hinge on a French person not understanding a Polish person or vice versa. And if you miss that, yeah. you just missed everything. Like no, at best, so. this is the very leading edge of a first step of a Martin three step reveal. And that mm-hmm. you'll get caught up on step two or three eventually. But if you want to be probably at the bleeding edge, you, yeah, you probably should watch it as the creators intended it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Everett says, Aaron, I know how much you absolutely love your biblical parallels on modern television. Here's one I felt like uh, picking up or I felt I was picking up on. 
Once the mutiny began and Captain Ike was, I kept, I called him Eric before, fuck. Uh, Ike was captured and thrown into his storage room along with Jerome and Ramiro. Became the first instance, as far as I know, where a group of people found themselves in quite a pickle while also all speaking different languages. And then it clicked. Much like the story of Prometheus is one that highlights a punishment handed down for disobeying the gods, so is the story of the Tower of Babel. If there is any, indeed, any there there, uh, who are the gods in this case? It's suggested that Mara is the creator of the simulation, and so is she God in this circumstance? Are all the people trapped on the Prometheus, a.k.a. the Ship of Babel, people who have wronged her in the past and have been put into the simulation as punishment? What do you think of the Tower? Because, mm. like... Do, the if you don't know the tower of babel is the story in genesis where mankind pretty close to the fall in the garden of eden were nevertheless all kind of united in one area of the globe and they all spoke the same language mm-hmm. and they're like you know what let's invent bricks and mortar and let's make a tower tall enough to reach into the heavens so we can be closer it, to God. And they got 40 feet up. God's like, nah, too That's close. That's the thing. God, God uh, you'd think he'd look down at his children, see them playing well together and be like, oh, that's nice. They want to be closer to dad. He's like, uh-huh. fuck this. If we let them build a tower to the heavens, they could accomplish anything. <laughs> Dude. Go down there, confuse their language, <laughs> yeah. set them against each other, and that's that's how we want to be. That's that's the... When we Yahweh does not truck with gentle parenting. The, uh, the that's state what they did. at which God stepped in and said that's too high is uh-huh. comical to me. Like what? Right. Knowing what we know about you couldn't build a tower. A, you can't build a tower high enough to reach God. It's not physically possible <laughs> no matter where he resides. B, it's like it's like looking at your child's blocks at blocks when they're building it with the alphabet on them and saying this kid's going to build a fucking tower to right. the ceiling and it's going to crash yeah. through the roof and he stacked two blocks and you're like, fuck you. And you smash him. Yeah, that's what God does like, in that. Like there's illustrations from antiquity of this, this event. And it's always like some big ziggurat. And it's right. like, you can tell it's like 400, maybe 500 feet tall, just based on the scale of the arches and the steps and structures. And nevertheless, the top is like in the clouds. And I'm like, get the fuck right. out of here. <laughs> You, you just you built it on a foggy day, guys. Settle down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's wild. Uh, but I mean, it's it is something. It is it is an, an interesting because there's I, I think several points where like there probably wouldn't be as big a problem if everyone could speak the same language. And you do have like Mara is Moira is um, depicted as somewhat a vengeful god by well she's depicted as a god in several instances. She's referred to as the creator. And if you believe Henry's side of the story, her father, she this is some kind of petulant um, act that she's done, a selfish thing. Like she can't let go of the death uh, or the impending death of her boy. So she somehow trapped them all in this simulation as a way to continue to keep them all together. Um, she trapped herself, too. That's the puzzling thing is she is yeah. as much a part of this whole mystery as they are. I don't buy that a. I don't know why a god would trap themselves in the same state as who as whoever they're trying to ensnare here. If they can't, de- well, because I think that Mara's perfect world has got the one that's got Elliot in it all the time, so she wouldn't mm-hmm. have any problem being trapped in there. Now, why it turned? Why into not a give herself? Yeah, why not give herself the memories of the outside world so she can experience being with her child? Well, I think that's where. Uh, Kieran, her brother, and Henry come in because I mm-hmm. whatever Mara intended to do has been corrupted by one or both of those. Seems and maybe like Daniel it, yeah. too. 
because mm-hmm. she's obviously been injected and re-injected and maybe uh, she created uh, a place for Elliot to go uh, and, and be a simulation where she could experience him with the full knowledge that he's a simulation. But at some point, her father trapped her in there without that knowledge, like sent, mm, sent her right. into her own simulation as punishment. Because his stated goal is to make sure she stays trapped in here forever because yeah. fuck my daughter, apparently. He's not also into gentle parenting. No, no. <laughs> he's coming uh, crashing through the door, kicking your blocks over. <laughs> <laughs> you're building a tower it reaches my knees what's uh-huh. next mora it's knee high um all right evan says i had some initial initial he had some initial disappointment by the starship inter- uh, ending i guess because i excited for a trippy turn of the century period piece but apparently season two will be taking place in a voyage to the andromeda system what how much of the season two do you think will be in 1899 and do any of her their backstories mean anything I was intrigued by a number of them. This is the big, I guess, potential problem. Yeah. The fact that like everyone is an unreliable narrator and has been so throughout the whole of season one. But I think there's a tension there because you can do that as a show creator, but like it's not super satisfying. And if like literally all the information we learned about these characters is a lie, I don't know why I'm watching the show. I don't know how clever the show has to be to justify me continuing to invest in the characters. So, like, I think that that's a fear people can have. But unless Bo Odar and Freja are just complete morons that don't respect their audience, which I do not believe, I think that some of this stuff has to have at least a grain of truth to it, right? Yeah, and it could be a thematic like uh, they, maybe these characters uh the sins that we see them having committed or the traumas they've experienced in this like weird 1899 period didn't actually happen in 1899 but they have a rough uh analog in some other time period yeah. where they did happen like things that are akin to those those events happened to them at some point like Lynn just, betrayed her best friend slash maybe sister. Yeah, but just maybe in, it wasn't in 1899. Yeah, Rome, but not in the French Legion. Um, very. So we have things. been learning things about them, just not not in the exact realities that we expected. Which that's so like if all of these are essentially parables that tie back to their real lives, because like I, that's the thing. Uh-huh. It's like I, I just don't. If their if their motivations and emotional cores are all abstract and arbitrary, I I yeah I don't I, that's that's uh I don't I don't know what kind of show that is I'd be watching. Yeah, at some point we got to have something to grasp onto and say this is this is real, or that could be the point of the show is like that's true. How are you grasping onto your daily life and saying this is real when you have no evidence? You know. Um. But how much of season two do you think will be in eighteen ninety nine? I. Th- if I'm going and using dark as a guide, which increasingly I'm not sure if this is the right way to go, but then they keep baiting it by, you know, having 1899, 2099. And like, they're mm-hmm. like all these kind of like silical events. Um, I imagine 1899 will still be a thing because there'll probably be people that are still trapped in the simulation that not mm-hmm. everyone got out. Like Mara is the only one that had the key to the pyramid. And, Oh, that was the other thing from the the. I don't think I mentioned that the I got from a Reddit thread is the idea that part of the hacking that Daniel did was to reverse the code of what the black and the white things did. So hmm. when they injected, Mara See, this with is the, why I didn't want to trust that. Yeah, 
the last black thing that like that is yeah they that that the code has been inverted so that now that triggered her memory she's the only one affected by this everyone else is still Mm -hmm. asleep she might need to and are stranded back there if she cares for these people um and she's got to care about like you know daniel and ike and and elliot uh she'll have to go back to try to coax them out of it and we talk about how you can't just run up to people and be like, you wake up, you're in a simulation. Like, you know, that's if it was that easy, Daniel would do it. You have to do it very carefully mm-hmm. or else you'll lock the person even more into the mental prison. Uh, you'll just seem like a stark raving person and they'll throw you in jail and and uh, throw you into the brig. And, and then then what? So like that might be interesting. But I think like in dark, there is essentially two time periods that then turned into three and then turned into, you know, like, I don't want to spoil it, but like as each season went on, you always had the prime periods that were still important to the plot, but you spent less and less time in them and more and more time in some and the other. So like, I think this new 2099 will be a major setting, but the 1899 mm-hmm. is going to completely go away. And I, I imagine there'll be other settings that will kind of like spin around through in some kind of like vomit inducing brain melting way. Mm-hmm. Sounds about uh, right. Except you'll like vomiting in this case. <laughs> Okay. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. Michelle says, Just a quick thought that came to me as my boyfriend and I watched episode four. While we are unsure what purpose the Beatles serve, we were unsure, unsure what purpose the Beatles serves at this point. It seems like people's lives are the price of using the Beatles' powers. I cannot remember if Daniel the little boy used the beetle prior to anyone dying on the boat, but I believe when Ada was killed, it was the first time. Then Daniel and the boy continue to use them as the bodies continue to pile up. I don't know, because like at hmm. some point, the bodies stop piling up, and they keep using the beetle. But also, there's hmm. like a shitload. Hmm. I mean, you're only on episode four, but like there's a shit people that the, the shit ton of people that die in between, you know, and, you know, when they start just jumping over the railings, et cetera. So like mm-hmm. maybe, um, but I, I, I don't know. I, and also within a simu like that makes sense in kind of like a full metal alchemist, like, you know, life pays for life kind of way. But like, what does that mean in a simulation that you got to kill a simulated person to power up this beetle, but it's just don't have the cycles. Yeah, uh, it's it's a scarab beetle, though, which is like kind of important in the Egyptian kind of like death cosmology. But it's also the symbol of the mm-hmm. sun. I don't know. I don't know. Jamie says the spooky spaceship is giving me event horizon and or alien vibes. What's your feeling mm. about sprinkling some space horror into the show? Yes, please. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, <laughs> I love that stuff. So, sure. Yeah, especially if there is something to this this triangle matter that's taking over the starship and they're doing some kind of simulation to figure out how to stop it like that, that would be. And like I said, that the other thing about the, 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 that we noticed in the late season black pyramid crap is it starts off acting like salt crystals where it's growing and lengthening and stuff like that. But by the end of it, it's flexing around and acting much more like those uh, protuberances and like um, the abyss uh, it's acting in much more a fluid kind of like alien nanite AI thing. So mm-hmm. it could be that we're going to have like some kind of horrible, horrifying nanite type of thing. That's a menace. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I could, I could get down some space horror. 
She also asked, what character trauma flashback story did you find the most interesting? Which character do you hope we find out more about in the next season? Uh, I want to know what's going on with Oleg. Because his is weird. He, he's in a vat of oil. Oilic. Oilic. <laughs> yeah, he comes out of his oil bath. And just kind of walks into the simulation. I that's what I want to know about. What happened He's there? One of the only like big major name characters where we don't understand the source of her trauma. I guess Miss uh, God, it's not Smith. Jesus Christ, Wilson. Wilson. Miss Wilson is another one that we don't really understand her. Uh huh. Um, I've heard it speculated that Oleg's uh, thing is he murdered his brother in the oil, and he's now going to America and he's talking about his brother being in America, but that's not literal. It's somehow like figurative. I don't know. Hmm. Not sure I buy it, but yeah, I want to know more about him. As far as the character, we hope to find out in the next season. I think the first mate, Sebastian, he's the most mysterious character because everyone else has like, I I guess I want to separate people in like the movers and the manipulated the, the you know the ma- ma- manipulators mm-hmm. and so like some people have agency in the story like Mara, the Elliot, and the- Henry, yeah yeah yes yeah. oh that's a good one seekers and avoiders and the other people mm-hmm. are kind of along for the ride. Sebastian is kind of the only one like everyone else has an obvious motivation like there's a father who's trying to punish his daughter, there's a daughter who's trying to save her son, uh, there's a husband who's trying to save his wife. Uh, and then they all have like uh, and there's a brother that's kind of manipulating everything. They, they all have reasons for doing. But like, who the fuck is Sebastian mm-hmm. and why? Why is he so loyal to Henry? Why is he like, you know, doing all this? We know nothing about this guy. Yeah. And he's the only of the, I guess, seeker class that I can say that about. So I would like to know more. There's a couple theories that maybe he is. um, uh, uh, uh K- Karen. Her brother, like the manifestation oh. of him. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. Also, like, oh, there's another theory. I'm gonna like look up this to make make sure. Um. Yeah. Okay. Kiaran is an Irish name that means little dark one or little dark haired one. Hmm. And there is an interesting theory that, like, it's it's one of the things that's like. The bane of me as a as a theory collector is people that just take something interesting and says what if, but they don't connect it to anything. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what if Mara's brother is actually her son? Because, you know, Elliot mm-hmm. could be fairly described as a little dark haired boy. Sure. So it's like a code name. Or why, is why are it, all the pictures lying to her? Why is Daniel lying to her? Why? Well, but it could be in like some kind of you'd have to you'd have to mix time travel you have to mix a little dark into your 1899 palette mm-hmm. but like you know it's it's a it's a thing that they do that like she could marry her dad or at least procreate with them and make her brother son i don't know yeah the thing that's, that kills that's, me about all the these thing. theories that, yeah like is what, there is to what no end? unifying theory right yeah, exactly. like there is no grand exactly. unifying theory all these seem like somewhat mutually exclusive at least um yes and some of them are just like, well, if this theory is true, there's no possible way that one's true. Right. Uh, and it's hard to it, like, but... it's it's hard if you, because like, yeah, and I, I, they haven't given any hints that there is actually time travel. It's all been just simulation mm-hmm. so far. So, yep. 
Uh, Sai says, here is my theory. Mara is in an induced coma-like state. She must have placed herself in this after some sort of trauma, and this is why she's called the creator. Her father and her brother have been trying to find a way to wake her up and must have found technology similar to the one in Tarsum Singh's The Cell. Do you know that movie? The Jennifer no. Lopez movie? It's about I, I mean, a, I've, I've seen it. I've got I don't remember it. It was decades ago. I did that, and, and they didn't elaborate why, so because I'd seen it decades ago, too, and I looked it up. And so in that movie, Jennifer Lopez plays a psychologist that's invented this technology that allows her to enter the brain of a comatose patient and essentially coax their subconscious back to their conscious and wake them up. And the main plot of the movie is the police bring her in to go into the mind of a serial killer who traps their he traps their his victims in this tank that slowly fills with water over the course of several days and kills them and he has succumbed he has uh, gone into a coma with one of his last victims in a tank and the police are desperate to find and save that person so Jennifer Lopez has to go into this guy's brain uh to try to see if she can find out where that information is um, so that's just like he's the same. That's the same type of technology that you've got someone that's uh, either psychologically or physiologically traumatized and their brain is in a locked state and you go in there to get them out. Um, so anyway, her husband and son, all in quotation marks, have been trying to wake her up by introducing them, themselves into her brain where she's been elaborately constructed a world to hide herself from the real world using similar technology. Uh, they mentioned that they've never been able to get to this level in the beginning episodes and they were unable to find their way to get in touch with her and the archive is filled with their failed attempts to do so. This could also be a reason why we never see her father worried whenever Daniel or Elliot make some kind of progress and he only reacts once we see that Daniel is doing something that he is not supposed to do. Um, and this would be the place where her brother took over as her father couldn't stop Daniel. All the people we've seen involved must been people she knew in her real life and are involved in the same way that people we know in real life are involved in our dreams. Whatever progress we think that they've achieved from getting to 2099 to 1899 is nothing but the first layer of the world she's closed herself into. And all our simulations start with her receiving some message from her brother, just like she did at the end. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is, I, so I guess what's the predictive value of this theory? Hmm. Because the other thing is like, her yeah. brother and father don't seem well, I guess he says that it's the husband and the son that are the ones interested in trying to unlock her from this. Oh yeah, uh, okay. Because I was gonna say the the Henry wants to keep her in there, apparently. Yeah. And this is all like speculation based on taking at face value what he says, as if he is a real person, as if this is not all some concoction of Mara's mind. Um it, yeah, knows, it kind of bothers me that the show does things like have her see a note that says welcome to reality when she wakes on the starship and the fact that I'm almost morally certain that's not reality. Uh-huh. Like, but then again, but 1899 it, had tons of books that had may your coffee kick in before reality does. So, and that's that's could kind of be the point of the show, right? Is that we can't know and we'll never know if this is actually our reality. Um or if we're in some kind of elaborate simulation or a dream state or whatever. I mean, that, that might just be the end thesis of the show is like, none of that is knowable. Hmm. And every time you think you've gotten to the heart of it, you haven't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't... I, I don't know if that makes a satisfying show, but it m might make an interesting ride and uh, a fun puzzle to solve. 
Because that's the thing about all these philosophical things when you get into the Matrix and brain in the vat theories and Plato's cave theories is at the end of the day, I don't think there is like I'm not aware of. I'm not studied that much in, in the philosophy. But like I'm not aware of there's any like silver bullet to like, oh, here's proof that you're not in a simulation. Mm-hmm. Here's proof that you're not in Plato's cave. Just seeing being amused by pictures taking it, you know, played before your face. You think that's your life and you think this is on it. It's all. Like, I don't know that there's any defeater for that, which is why I haven't given like yeah. simulation theory a lot of thought because like, well, fuck, let's say I convert to simulation theory and that's my new religion. What does that mean? How do I live my life differently? Because mm-hmm. it seems yeah, it seems like the the if you believe in simulation theory, like one valid interpretation is just, I don't know, like fucking stop. Just stop doing anything. Just like, you know, crawl into a shell and die or off yourself because what does anything even matter? <laughs> sure sure or you you can accept your reality and try and live in the most fulfilling way possible within it right because even in simulation there's things that make you happy and things that make you Mm -hmm. sad why not try to do things that make you feel happy and fulfilled and avoid things that make you feel uh sad and unfulfilled and you know keep doing that until you simulated die Mm -hmm. uh yeah Whew. And then, yeah, if, and then if when you you simulate a die you wake up into a another reality that is either a simulation or a reality do the same in that one Mm-hmm. until the cycle ends or maybe yeah. it never does and you just continue to live your best life wherever possible your best simulated life uh and that's uh, what we're going to urge you to do until we have season two of 1899 <laughs> live your best simulated your best life, life. Uh-huh. and uh try not to get triangles in your eyes yeah those are they're spiky <laughs> they're pointy We'll be back uh, when uh, 1899 comes back. Of course, this is not the last thing that we're going to be doing here at Bald Move. Um, We have got a whole December of Christmas fun lined up, mostly for our club members. Uh, There will be a review of uh, Violent Night. It's coming Mm -hmm. out tonight, if you're listening to this, or maybe last night, depending on when our producer gets this out. And also, we're going to have a review of the new Avatar Blue Man Group movie in mid-December. And in January, oh boy, we're kicking off things in a big way with The Last of Us, the Craig Mazelin, um project about fungus zombies. It's based on the, video, the award-winning and best-selling video game, The Last of Us, of the same name. Very excited about that. That's going to be a nine-episode run in early 2023, and then there's so much stuff in 2023. I'm look, uh, Hopefully, we'll get Severance. That'd be nice. Uh, we're definitely going to get Season 2 of Foundation. Definitely going to get Season 2 of Yellow Jackets. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm looking forward to that's going to be returning. Uh, probably season three some... of Picard. <laughs> season three of Picard <laughs> is actually early in the year, right? That's in February. We just found out. I think out. so, yeah. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of pulpy goodness on Bald Move. Uh, mm-hmm. The best way to follow along is where you're at, Bald Move Pulp. And you can follow us at Twitter, twitter.com slash bald move. If you do want to get in on the Christmas celebrations, get ad-free feeds and tons of other bonus fun content, go to support.baldmove.com. And if nothing else, we'll see you next year or in 2099 for the second season of Mm -hmm. 1899. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.